Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The constant energy, the tight turns and bustle of the city. Some are just happy to survive it. Others were destined to conquer it. The Lexus UX and UX F-Sport crossovers with a 33 MPG combined estimate and the most advanced standard safety system in its class. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Click the banner to discover more. 2020 UX versus 2019 and 2020 competitors. Information from manufacturers' websites as of 8-13-2019. 2020 Lexus UX 200, EPA 29 City, 37 Highway, 33 combined MPG estimates. Actual mileage will vary. Sifpop Podcast is recorded in front of a live internet audience. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks. If you're gonna blink, well, you can do it the whole time because it's just audio. It's Sift Pop. Kind of have to have seen the movie to get that reference, yeah. but anyways. Spoilers. <laughs> It's the first line of the movie. No, I thought you said we do spoilers afterwards. That's yeah. right, yeah. Yeah, spoilers come afterwards. Spoilers, everybody. There are no helicopters in this movie. <laughs> that is true. Welcome to Sif Pop, streaming live on Mixler every Friday or available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons, get those perks. Patrons, get those perks. Uh, I'm Aaron Dicer from YourMovieFriend.com. I'm joined by Andrew Ormsby from the Flick Freaks YouTube channel. Ahoy. And every week we'll be joined by a pop culture guru to chat about movies, television, whatever else is on our pop culture. Your minds in today's guru from Jesus Live YouTube. This is Devon Taylor. Woo! Welcome, Devon. Thank you, thank you. I, I was real excited about being called a guru. Like I feel real you, official. You about are it. the I like guru. It. it is now official. You that are is the guru chair. Yes. I like it. Guru. <laughs> I like it. Um, well, yeah, it's good to have you on. So let's get to know you a little bit because this is your first time on the podcast. Yes, sir. You are a brand new virgin guru here. So we are excited to hear a little bit more about like where your love of movies came from. Like, you know, when did you start deciding, hey, I'm going to not only watch movies, but talk about them? Like, how did your, you know, that whole thing, pro- you know, progress for you? Um, yeah, it's, um, you know, I pretty much grew up in the theater. Like I said, you know, we've been, you know, talking beforehand and, me and my dad, we'd go do double features on the weekends, and he had a massive VHS collection, and it was just something. I mean, me and my sisters have always been watching movies, and my parents, and then... Um, so kind of a family thing. Yeah, it, it started off as a family thing. I've always loved movies, and then um, I guess my passion didn't really develop until um, a few years ago, about two or three years ago, whenever I started finding the online community of other film buffs and stuff like that, and then, you know, actually, like taking the time to like break down movies and, you know, with the different writers and directors mm-hmm. and actually learning and, um, and it just kind of blossomed from there. It's kind of the next step, right? You find with like people who do this is they all of a sudden realize there's more to it than just yes. the movie on the screen. Exactly. And you start to see some of the, the storytelling elements and some of the ways different directors do different mm-hmm. things. And, and there's this whole, you know, universe beyond just the story on screen. And I think it's, it's important to take both into account, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. Here's just the, you know, the surface. The final product. Yeah, the final product. But then also to take into account, you know, how it got there, what, you know, the the director is trying to say, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I'm totally with you on that. If you know the ins and outs of how a movie, like all the production stuff, it's Mm -hmm. a miracle any movie ever gets made. (laughs) It's just fascinating. It makes you appreciate it that much more when you get the, you know, like you said, you had the pre-production, then, you know, filming and then, you know, marketing. It's like once you realize that takes, you know, years to make a movie and then from to finally come to be. Like, uh, just makes you appreciate it a lot more. And that's where I guess the passion started coming in, where I'm like, all right, movies, you know, there's there's a whole new world to it. So I always appreciate, like, the pioneers who were the first ones to be like, you know, let's do something a little more with this art form. You know, I think of Hitchcock, of course, and, you know, some of the stuff he did with the way he shot Orson Welles, like with Citizen Kane, some of the stuff in that movie absolutely, you know, changed the way people thought movies could, you know, to kind of transition it from just storytelling mm-hmm. to art. Kubrick. I mean, that, I've, yeah, been, on, I've yeah. been on a real big Kubrick kick lately. And uh, he was definitely one of those people who's always been ahead of his time and then was just doing things that people weren't doing in movies. Yeah. Do we have anybody besides James Cameron today that's doing that? 
Well, that's that's innovating. Oh, for sure. I mean, many people would say Nolan with the way he uses, you know, the mind. Uh, you know, certainly you look at the first few movies he did with like, you know, Memento, Memento. and mm-hmm. and uh, Prestige. And oh you know, no, Pi was Aronofsky, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I believe yeah. so. Yeah. So yeah, no, I think there are a lot of innovators uh, in film. It's kind of one of the fun things to watch. Uh, well, today we are going to do um, we're going to do Kubo and the Two Strings. Going to review that a little bit. We're going to review War Dogs. We're going to do Best Ever Challenge. Uh, where we're going to name our favorite stop-motion animated films of all time. And, of course, we'll have some buried treasure, but we like to start it off with some Do We Care. Mr. Andrew Ormsby is going to read three pop culture headlines, and uh, then Devon and myself will say if we care enough to talk more about them. So, really slow news week. Had to scrape the bottom of the barrel to get the news items. <laughs> First one up, HBO is working to reboot the 1950s series Perry Mason, and they are looking at Robert Downey Jr. to be the star lead. Oh, I didn't care until you said RDJ. Yeah, I know. I was like, I don't need to see Perry Mason again. <laughs> and they were like, Robert Downey Jr. I'm like, that's perfect. Yeah. Old uh, attorney from the 1950s was in the original run of that show. And then they rebooted it back again in the 80s. Now HBO's taking over and they want RDJ to do it. What do you think, Devon? Um, I'm, I'm more on the fence of, I, I don't care, I suppose, about this one. Uh, it's a show that, you know, I never was into or anything. And, and with RDJ, it's like, it's kind of crazy seeing, you know, whenever you see an actor doing a role for so long, doing yeah, like, these big budget movies yeah. and then going back to TV. And sometimes it's either, you know, they're phoning it in for the TV series or they, you know, needed a break from the movie. So, um, I don't know. You look at like Spader, like James Spader was a movie star for a long time. And then, you know, he did the blacklist and he's phenomenal Mm -hmm. on it, you know? And so there's some of these people that can do, and I think, uh, the charisma of Robert Downey Jr. might be one of them where, especially in the context of kind of the Perry Mason thing, which was always like the lawyer who was one step ahead and, you know, had the, like, there's something about a great courtroom scene. And if they really, plus HBO doing it, you know, you know yeah. they're going to pull out all the stops. I mean, and, People vs. OJ, that was that was huge this right? year. It was such a phenomenal show, too. I, I will definitely be interested to see if that comes, like, is it something they're just in talks about, or are they starting pre-production? It's, or? it's in talks right now. Nobody signed anything, but they made it. Yeah, sounds interesting. HBO made an announcement about it, so I'm assuming there's some... You know, something behind this. They're not just, hey, we'd like to Well, do sometimes this. they put out feelers, right? Sometimes they'll make an announcement to see what the public reaction will be a little bit, too. I think that they would automatically know you get a name like Perry Mason and you tie it to RDJ, you're going to get nothing but praise back. So yeah, for sure. That's why I'm assuming that there's something to this. Yeah, it could be. All right, what's the next one? Next one up, Comedy Central made an announcement that Inside Amy Schumer is not canceled, but it is on hiatus indefinitely. Hmm. You know, Schumer's an interesting case, right? Because she's a great comedian, and then she just blew up, and then she mm-hmm. was all over everything. And I think it happens with a lot of comedians where uh, they kind of their fame oversteps their yeah. their journey. They kind of blow up a little bit too fast. Yeah, and don't exactly have the time to catch up and put out more quality stuff. I yeah. suppose. Um. So, oh, who was the comedian who? Oh, what's his name? Left his show. It Chappelle? Was, yeah, Chappelle. Dave Chappelle had the same kind of thing. Just kind of blew way up, and then it was like, you know, his fame outstripped his journey. And so he mm-hmm. kind of had to walk back into it. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, my understanding with Amy Schumer, she's dealing with a lot of stuff that she wasn't expecting with all this fame. Mm-hmm. And so she's trying to, you know, figure with it out. social media stuff and movies and stuff. So I can, I can see how it's getting a little bit hard for her to keep up with her TV show, I suppose. Yeah. I think you're going to see more and more this verbiage of hiatus versus canceled yeah because they've started using it i remember when uh larry um what was uh the seinfeld guy uh his larry show, david larry david yeah when he did uh curb your enthusiasm you know took a break they're talking about that coming back now oh yeah that but, is and coming back yeah, that's and for sure and they've always said that that was just on hiatus and i think that's going to be more of the thing now so you know less look at and less. sherlock with cumberbatch and martin freeman that well yeah in like three years <laughs> yeah. since the last season <laughs> So, yeah, it's always on hiatus. Yeah. It's either it's either in season or on hiatus. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What else you got? So this is where I need to apologize for our final news article. Like I said, I had to <laughs> you should have let off with that one. Had to scrape the bottom of the barrel, and I actually had to get into gossip to find news. And oh I, man, I hate gossip. Then I'm already in the not care camp. But go ahead. Amber Heard and Johnny Depp have reached a divorce settlement. No. Amber Heard donated all her seven million dollars in the settlement to charity. Well, that's cool, but no, I I really don't care about the comings and goings of celeb relationships. I couldn't care less, but I needed a third news item, and yeah. that was literally all it was. <laughs> so, 
you know, you could talk a little bit about why people find that stuff out. Are you in the same boat, Devon? Do you care about um, that stuff at all? No. I mean, I draw a fine line between the artist and their personal life, right. you know, and stuff like that. So it's like, if I care about the person as an actor, like whatever they do in their personal life and whatever's going on, that's that's their stuff, you know, mm-hmm. so... I'm never big into the gossip or the rumor mills and stuff. So like why that. is it so big? I mean, we're three for three over here, going. I don't care about that stuff. Why? Why does it get all the clicks? Drama. Is it drama? People, people are attracted addicted, to drama. People, people to love drama. drama. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well. Yeah. No, I don't care about. I don't that. know. Or maybe kind of, <laughs> kind of people need a a reminder that you know these celebrities are people too. Maybe I guess you know to just be like, hey, look, they have drama Listen, in their life too. Us Weekly does it every you know in their magazine. You mm-hmm. know. You know, they're just people, too. So we don't we don't need all the articles. There are enough pictures that prove it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the bad haircut stuff, the, you know, oh, just man. out walking the street. It makes me just right. want to get through the line at Walmart just that much quicker. So I can <laughs> stop looking at all those news articles. And you papers. don't have to look, Andrew. You don't, yeah, it's you don't have to pull them out and leaf through them like you do. No, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking about just like looking at the cover. I'm like, man, people buy that. And it just makes me sad. Yeah. good stuff right it is good stuff I the love shamisen the three-stringed instrument <laughs> <laughs> i love uh regina specter and she does this uh this cover of this Beatles song you know my guitar gently weeps and kind of goes over the end credits but it's good stuff so we're going to talk about uh, kubo and the two strings an animated film the latest stop motion animated film from leica studios who also did paranorman uh, Coraline, uh box trolls box trolls that's yeah, right that's the one that was that was even more recent uh, and so now they've got a story uh, about this, you know, magical kid on an adventure and a journey, and he's kind of figuring out his story as he's telling us his story. And we won't give any spoilers away as much as we can help it. Uh, we will do a, a spoiler cast where we'll go more into depth because I definitely want to get into some spoilers with this yeah, one. Yeah, no, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if you're subscribed to the podcast, you can certainly check that out. But we like to start with just a very simple did you like it? Did you love it? Was it okay? Did you dislike it? Or did you hate it? I'm going to start on this because I need you guys maybe to pull me back. <laughs> I loved this through the roof. I This is one of my fa- maybe my favorite movie I've seen this year so far. Really? really? I loved this wow. movie. So I'll be counting on you guys to bring me back down to earth on this one, possibly. What would you think, Andrew? That was okay. Okay. That what about fun. you, Devon? I, I wanted to love it. But I, I did really like it though. Ooh, nice! We got like, a I, nice I little range here. It, but yeah, nice little range here. Uh, well, let's yeah. kind of get into it. Uh, let's do just some general thoughts, Andrew. Let's start with you. What are your general thoughts on Kubo and the Two Strings? First pro I have: this movie is one of the most visually stunning movies yes. I have right? ever seen. Oh, right from the beginning. The- yeah. It is just, and to think that they're doing it with stop motion, mm-hmm. and I, I love the the way the movie itself plays with the idea of storytelling through, you know, objects, you know, in this case, uh, origami, that kind of stuff. And it's kind of the same exact thing they're doing. They're telling a story with, you know, modeling clay and paper. I didn't notice that. Like, this movie is very meta because it's Mm -hmm. a storyteller talking about telling stories and then stop motion with the origami. So it's a very meta movie. (laughs) Yeah. And there are some scenes in this that are just, I really kind of wish I had seen it in 3D. Because some of this stuff, like the textures and that kind of stuff, I think really would have popped in 3D. Um, But we saw the 2D version, and I was still absolutely gorgeous. What about you, Devon? What's uh, something you like? Oh, yeah. I mean, I definitely agree. Um, The production value for this movie is incredible. You know, that's the thing I appreciate about stop motion the most is, you know, all the talent that goes into it. And then, you know, we're, we're getting scenes in this movie that are better looking visuals than we're getting from live action movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. So yeah, definitely. That's the biggest pro of this movie is it looks amazing. Like it really does. Yeah. And the, the, the visual style of the origami and the different kind of things in it mm-hmm. just seemed really distinctive to me too. You know, it seemed like something that I hadn't really seen done that way before. Uh, and so I really appreciated that about the movie too. All right, I'm gonna I'm just gonna kind of like rant on how much I love this movie. Go for it, Go for and it. then you can like you know add in where you agree or disagree. But since <laughs> I, I'm the passionate one about this yeah. one, maybe I'll just talk about it a little bit. Um, first of all, uh, you already mentioned the gorgeous animation style. Uh, second of all, 
I think the depth in this movie is really beautiful. Um, a lot of the emotion works because of how fully realized this world and this story is. And I love it when a movie takes me to a place that hasn't existed before and knows its world. And I just felt like this movie knew exactly the world it was living in. Uh, you know, it just seemed really creative and really inventive in de- a lot of those ways. Yeah, I definitely agree there. I think you're going to make me a believer. You you might turn <laughs> me into the loving side because I agree with everything you're saying so far. Like, I love a movie that can build a world in such a short amount of time and be able to, like, transport you to that world. And then, you know, you really buy into the characters of this movie. And um, that's definitely – and there is a lot of depth. And that's kind of what this um, this animation studio, their movies have done. You know, Coraline and Paranorman and Bocchels, they – you know, are family-friendly movies that everybody can watch, but it does go into some, you know, deeper themes, though, for sure. I have always appreciated that about Leica, but this, I think, takes it to a whole nother level. But they do always seem very concerned with the thematics of their movie mm-hmm. and with their, you know, storytelling. And uh, and this one, I thought, did that really well. I'm going to say that I agree that they knew the world, like, inside and out. I don't think they did the best job of uh, passing on that knowledge to the viewers and they is could there have done it way better is there a specific you can give that isn't a spoiler um or should we you know save it for spoilers and talk yeah, about it a little probably bit more save it for spoilers there's a lot here that i'm gonna you know want to to mm-hmm. be more specific with in spoilers because um because the story is so interesting to me uh i will move on then since we're gonna save that for spoilers to the characters. You mentioned the characters. That was another thing I loved yeah. about this Phenomenal movie. voice acting from yeah. people yes. who normally aren't voice actors. McConaughey was great McConaughey in this. McConaughey and oh. and... Yeah, and Rooney yeah. Mara was great as the sisters. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's who the sisters were. That was were. Rooney Mara, oh, yeah. Uh, that was Ray good. Fines, right? Ray, Ray Fines, Fines was, was Moon the King. Moon, mm-hmm. Moon King. A um, lot, of, lot of names you know, but again, they just fit their characters so well that you just felt like those characters were speaking. And I actually did not know, because again, I go in as blank as possible. I didn't know who the voice talent in this was going oh, really? in. And there was something uh, about the way his character was saying his S's. I was like, I think that might be Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was only his S's that gave him away. Yeah. Like, I mean, he was a real interesting... Never in- said, all right, all right, all yeah, right, exactly. or played bongos. He, he, yeah. he, he got into a speech where he almost, he went into a McConaughey speech for a sec. Yeah. I remember giggling about it whenever he just kept <laughs> repeating the same words over and over. He's like, yeah. and over, and they tell their people. And then yeah. I was like, this is definitely McConaughey. They had to slip that one in. Um, I loved... That character. I loved the Matthew McConaughey character. I thought it was well-needed comic relief yes. and well-executed comic relief in a movie that right from the beginning is really traumatic. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of trauma in this movie yeah. and really deep. Uh, and so I think it needed that, you know, that one character that, you know, you could laugh at a little bit and so thought maybe, I handled it well. Maybe you guys can answer this one because uh, just a... Uh, uh, let everybody here know I'm not really into, or I shouldn't say I'm not into, I haven't seen that many stop motion films. Is this from Leica, is this a concept and a art form that they use these really dark? Yes. Is this something you see a lot in their Definitely, films? Definitely. Um, okay. Like I said, I, I rewatched Coraline the other night, and that's one of my favorites, and it's from the same studio. And like I said, they, they are very good at taking these stories and, you know, like I said, making it viewable for everyone but they are you know taking deeper themes and uh kind of something you were saying was that you know they weren't letting the viewers in as much i would say maybe for the children because i would say like this is an animated movie and i would say this is one of the darker ones actually like not as relatable and it but then as soon as my Conway's character came in it lightened everything up and then i was like okay i can see kids enjoying this a little bit more now yeah i think it's enjoyable in the way and this isn't a perfect one-to-one comparison but I think it's enjoyable for a kid in the way like something like The NeverEnding Story was enjoyable for me as a kid. NeverEnding Story has some really dark moments yeah, yeah. in it. Like, yeah. really dark moments. The Mork. Um, or the, the horse. The, yeah, the, the, sad, the swamps of sadness and, yeah. and that kind of stuff. Um, so I think just the imagination of it and the world building of it, I think, will really appeal to you know kids who, uh, you know, in the same way that something like The NeverEnding Story did to me. I will say this. I know... And this is weird to say, I know this is a movie on a second viewing, I would appreciate it more. Could be. Yeah. Because it's one of those movies where you find out stuff 
like you you're presented with stuff you don't know what's going on mm-hmm. and then by the end of the movie you're like okay now i have all the information if i were to go back and watch it mm-hmm. i would appreciate and see the clues and the foreshadowing exactly yeah. i i felt like this story did a really good job of presenting us with information when we needed it to kind of compel mm-hmm. us along uh and specifically there were there were quite a few quote-unquote twists in this story, you know, just kind of yeah. story shifts mm-hmm. where you learn something that, you know, some information that you didn't know. Uh, many of them I saw coming. Many of them I, f- I felt were foreshadowed uh, quite a bit. And that's fine with me. I, it doesn't have to be a surprise to be a good story movement. Um, there were a couple, though, and I'm, I can't wait to talk. One in particular. I said a couple. I think just one in particular to- caught me totally off guard and I loved. And it was towards the end. And we'll talk mm-hmm. about that in spoilers. But I thought this movie did a good job of holding its cards and playing them at the at the right time. Did you guys feel that? Um, I'll agree to a point on that one because there were at times like I would find myself going, okay, why is this happening here? Or what, what is the motivation here? And then they kind of, you know, like you said, they sprinkle it in, they give it to you when you need it. But at the same time, I kind of found myself, you know, just kind of thinking like, okay, I really need to know the answer to this now. Mm-hmm. So that, that can be a, a little drawback for me. What about you, Andrew? Uh, yeah. He said literally exactly okay. what I was about to say. So cool. I hate saying yes, but that's what I'm going to go with right now. So ditto. Yes. Just, just pull a ghost. Ditto. Yeah. Uh, ditto. I, man, I love this movie. That's, Do you, you have know, any cons at all? This is why I need you. I, okay. I have a couple of things that I feel are really slight that I could talk about. Um, because uh, one thing we haven't talked about is the action. I thought the action was really cool. There were some really interesting fight scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and not only was the action cool because it was cool action, it was cool because the style of it had to do with the environment. So when you would get to a new action scene, depending on who it was, they would fight in a different way mm-hmm. or they would, you know, uh, interact in a different way. Uh, I think I don't think it's a spoiler too much to say one of the characters has a pipe and so smoke is kind of yeah. her, you know, weapon. I found that really fascinating. I and thought really music is a weapon. The music is a weapon. Yeah. You're going to think this is weird, but every single time they fought with music, I thought of Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't think no, that's I weird. The, I think the that, bass battle and stuff. The bass Pilgrim. battle yeah. and stuff like that. That no, one, I think that makes total I kept sense. going back to. It makes total sense. Um, the only thing I didn't mention, and then I'm going to let you guys tell me what, what the cons are so sure. I can start to see them. Okay. Um, because I admit I get movie blind. If I fall in love with a movie, especially early True. on, I get movie blind. Uh, I had it happen with uh, How to Train Your Dragon 2, um, which I gave an A-plus after I saw. Loved it. Upon further watching, I'm like, oh, okay, there are a few things here or there, you know. So I do admit I get movie blind, so I want to hear your opinions. But the final thing I will say is I thought the emotion worked phenomenally the, at the, the end of this movie. The emotion definitely worked. And that's, and now, okay, and that's where Andrew go. says no. didn't wanna, work for him. Do you want to do a con first? Or? Um, so here's what I'm going to say. Poor editing leads to poor storytelling. Okay. So, yes, this movie was very good about passing on knowledge when you needed it. Sometimes they waited, I think, a little too long. Not for spoilers or anything, or twist, I should say. But there were a couple times where you're introduced to a character and you're like, wait, how did that come to pass and they're like well it, it just happened and you're like okay well i guess i'll figure out later on and then you do figure out later on but at the same time i thought that there were moments in this movie where parts were edited in and i'm like i think that the the storytelling for me honestly i was watching this movie and i was telling myself over and over again if they would have done this it would have been a perfect movie. If they would have done this little twist, it would have been a perfect movie. And for me, it was a bunch of little edits and a little bit of storytelling faux pas, I should say, where I was like, man, if they would have just tweaked it a little bit, this movie would have been one of the best animated movies I'd ever seen. I'm really excited to get into specifics about that because I did not see that at all. Like, I, I didn't know. have any of and those I can moments. Tell. I can tell. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I'm excited because maybe I was just blind to them. I'm excited to hear specifics on the spoiler cast. Yeah. Uh, what were some of your cons or one of your cons? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll say the editing didn't really bother me. But one one that I would like to know is, you know, I don't think this is a spoiler because we never get the answer to it. It's just like I want to know a little bit more about, like, how this magic worked and, like, this family that has these abilities. Um, mm-hmm. I just kind of want to know where that came from. The movie kind of takes it for granted. And it yeah. does. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. it's just kind of never explained either, which don't get me wrong. I, I like being caught up in the spectacle of it and the wonderment. But at the same time, I was just kind of like, can I just get, like, a little flashback on, like, the story of this family and, like, 
the way they have these abilities. See, that's, that's what I was talking about. Like they are presenting knowledge as you need it, but sometimes they don't. That's, that's what I was trying to get at. So yeah. for me, the reason that doesn't bother me and I actually kind of like it is because I think movies a lot of time will get too mixed up in trying to explain mm-hmm. things. You think of midichlorians in the star Wars universe or something like that, yeah. where, you know, it's, it's kind of the prime example of over explaining something. And sometimes I just like it just to accept a world. You know, you've put me in this world. I'll accept it. Now, if I need to know it for a story point and you leave it out, then that's going to distract me a little bit. But, you know, if I'm understanding the story and what's going on and I'm just taking for granted the rules of your world, mm-hmm. then I'm OK with that. I don't need to know you know, why. Plus, this movie was so metaphorical in so many mm-hmm. ways. And with metaphor, you know, it. It's not as much about the real universe and how it became that way as it is about what it is existing right now trying to tell you. You know? I, I see it in I see it in two ways and I, I can explain why. It's because I mean this movie has such a it's made for such a wide audience range. Mm-hmm. So it's like on one end I applaud them for, you know, presenting certain things that we don't need explained to us because, you know, they're not pandering to the children, being right. like, Hey, you're a little kid, you don't understand this. Sure. Here's this. But at the same time, like for people like us, you know, that are watching the movie for the enjoyment and are older, we still do want some of that explanation. So it's like, you know, like you said, I think they just didn't explain it because, you know, it's just supposed to be what it is and And, and, enjoy it for what it is. And they can explore it in a, uh, you know, in a different movie, you know, if they want to do, you know, an expanded universe and explore some of that stuff, there's, you know, certainly can do that. It actually reminded me the last time I felt this way about a universe was when I watched uh, the original Last Airbender series, uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. And I was just like, oh, what a fully realized universe with rules. And, oh, yeah. You know, and that's the last time I got kind of this feeling from a project was was when I saw that. Yeah. Anything other, other, else on the negative side for me to uh, keep in mind? I will say one negative and it'll be my one last thing as well. So Yeah, let's do one one more thing. One last thing about this movie. So for my one last thing, I did have the lack of resolution in this film really stuck out to me and i know why they did it but it's something i'll have to get in more depth to in spoilers yeah you will because i don't even know what you're talking about yeah, we're, we're gonna have a lot of spoilers to talk about this <laughs> yeah <laughs> that to me is a sign of a great movie too no, where you sure. really want to talk because i man our conversation because my boys went with me three of them yeah uh we had the most amazing conversations on the way back about some really deep stuff and some interesting stuff so it's good uh, that a movie can do that. Right, too. yeah. I like. I mm-hmm. love those kind of movies. And that's the other part of why I rave about movies like this, is that's my thing. The, yes. the kind of movies where you're thinking about and talking about them afterwards in, in depth, that's my jam. Like, I love, you know, think thinker movies totally uh, in that agree. way. Yeah. So, uh, and I definitely think Kubo is one. Devon, uh, do you have one last thing? Yeah, one last thing, Devon? Um, my one last thing, um, yeah, I'd say I don't have too many cons for it, but at the same time, um, I, it, did, I, it didn't just, like, blow my mind. But I can appreciate everything they do. And like I said, I just love the studio and the way they make their movies. So, um, I mean, the production alone is just enough for me to give it a really good score. And then just the emotion, the story on top of it just kind of added on to it for me. My one last thing is a little bit different uh, as well. Um, my one last thing is is go see it. Like, this is the kind yes. of movie I really want to encourage people to see in the theater because I want these kind of movies yes. to be made. It's an original property. It's not, you know, based on a, you know, another movie or another story or something existing in pop culture. It's innovative. It's beautiful to look at on the big screen. Exactly. Um, and I want more of these movies made. And I mean, it was just us yeah. in the theater opening night. And I'm thinking they're they're never going to make these kind of movies again because nobody goes to see them. But if you love cinema, if you love movies, I would highly encourage you to take the family to this one. It's I think it's a, a really great time. Definitely to agree. So that would be my one last thing. All right. Thank you so much for your support of Sif Pop. It is a listener-supported podcast. That means we could not do what we do without you and many people like you who give one dollar. You guys every are month. fast. Two dollars, three dollars every month. Uh, you know, some as high as a hundred dollars every month mm-hmm. to support Sif Pop. Thank you so much for those gifts. And uh, it's the reason we're able to do this thing, to uh, to have the time to do it. So thank you so much for doing that. If you want to be involved in that, there are some fun perks. We do it through Patreon, patreon.com uh, slash shoe the dough. That's the name of the podcast network that Sif Pop is on, and that supports the entire network, including other podcasts that air as well. That's patreon.com slash 
shoe the dough and thanks ahead of time for being absolutely amazing peoples. Kidding. <laughs> you may recognize that song from the War Dogs trailer. We're going to talk a little bit of War Dogs, a movie about a couple twenty-somethings who decide to become gunrunners. Hmm. If that's not enough to get you into on a true story, wrong. you should know that it's based on a true story, which absolutely blows my mind. Yeah, <laughs> to, to think that this stuff actually happened. It stars uh, Jonah Hill. And Miles Teller as kind of the main characters uh, in our story as a couple of old friends from junior high who reunite to sell guns to the United States of America. Uh, Let's kick it off with some liked it, loved it, it was okay, didn't like it, hated it. Uh, Devon, why don't you go first? Um, Yeah, like I said, I felt a certain way about this because I was really excited for this. And we were talking before, you know, I got burnt out on the trailer and I just wanted to see this movie. And um, it was it was it was underwhelming. I'll say it's okay. I'll say I I won't say that I didn't like it, but it was okay. Um, I think this movie was very confused on what it was trying to do. What do you think, Andrew? I liked it. So you go in the like it category? I'm going to stick with liked it. I'm in the it was okay category as well, um, bordering on I liked it. Like there were some, there were just some things in it. I was there like, were things to like, for yeah, sure. That's good stuff. Uh, I didn't mention Bradley Cooper's in it as well, you know, Um Enjoyed his performance, so there were there were some things in it that I enjoyed, but overall, I think it has some pretty major flaws that that bring it down to be just yeah. okay for me. But let's talk about the good stuff first. Uh, why don't you start, Andrew? Performances, yeah, they are good. They're Jonah really good. Hill's great, man. I isn't love he? Jonah Hill. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's I, actually, I haven't always loved him either. It's like, interesting because it's also one of my cons is the performances as well. Well, we'll get there. Yeah. Mm. So what about what about the performances or, or the pro? So I think that the chemistry that Miles Teller and Jonas Hill showed, like working together, it was flawless. I bu- I bought every second of it, mm-hmm. and it it got to the point where whenever I was watching this movie, I didn't say, "Oh, that's Miles Teller," or "Oh, that's Jonah Hill on screen." I bought into their characters mm-hmm. so well. I think Jonah Hill has that, like in in a, most of the movies I see him in. He just does a really good job with chemistry. I think he he builds relationships with his co-stars in a way that makes the on-air chemistry feel very real. Um, I felt the same way about him and Brad Pitt in Moneyball. You yeah. know, I mean, he just has a way of of doing that and with his Leo co-stars. And Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think maybe that's just something. Maybe that's one of the reasons his performances pop, and maybe one of the underrated reasons why actors are good is because they get along with their co-stars. Yeah. So that's you know something to think about. What mm-hmm. about you? What did you like, Devon? Um, yeah, I'll, I'm on the same boat there. I did definitely buy into the chemistry. Um, I, I believe them as, you know, junior high uh, friends. I definitely um, I enjoyed the tone of the movie. Um, just kind of this freewheeling, just, you know, the American dream type of tone, I suppose. Uh, I did enjoy that, but most of my problems are in like the story of this movie. Uh, I I really that's interesting that you say that, and I think I know what you're talking about. And I have some of those story issues as well, but I was just getting ready to say I think the actual true storyness of this is one of the key reasons I enjoyed parts of it. The mm-hmm. fact that the things that we're seeing on screen are based on a, you know true mm-hmm. events that happen. I love interesting stories, and I think there is an interesting story here. What I think you're talking about is the fact that I don't think it was told as well as it could have been yes, told. Yes, it's, it's the way it was told. Which is a shame, right? When you've got something this captivating and interesting and, and strange that you know mm-hmm. you kind of um, swing and miss on the telling that story in a, in a when few we talk, places. When we talk spoilers, the ending definitely salvaged it a little bit for me. Okay. Uh, I'll say that. Uh, anything else you want to mention, Andrew, that you loved? Oh man, I, I I can't believe I'm totally disagreeing because you're gonna hate me for this. Aaron. I enjoyed War Dogs more than I like Kubo. No, I swear on. I did. No, that's not okay. I'm not saying because honestly, Kubo just didn't do it for me. Sure, sure. But yeah, I thought Kubo was okay. But I like. Do you War feel Dogs. like you just had a good time during the movie? Like, was that part of it? Was just kind I, of the I really elevated liked, energy? I liked War Dogs a lot. Like, I don't. I'm not gonna say I loved it, but mm-hmm. I really liked it. And I bought into the characters. I bought into the story. I had, from beginning to end, I cared and I wanted to know what was going to happen to these guys. Because, obviously, if they're telling a story, 
and I, this is not really a spoiler if you if you're familiar with this type of storytelling, but whenever a narrator because the film is narrated, uh, whenever it's narrated and they're telling you about all the illegal stuff they did, you know that they're going to get their comeuppance. Mm-hmm. And I was wanting to know what was going to happen to them th- from beginning to end. I'm like, how is this going to fall? Because mm-hmm. it's it's going to happen. Yeah, I was I was interested in the story points. Like, you know, those were drawing me along. Like, you know, when is it going to turn? What information is going to be found out? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, my main problem with this movie, I think it's my main problem. I have I have two major issues with this movie. One is, and, I th- and we'll call this one the main one. I think it. I think it slows down. I think it, there are some. The pacing is definitely off. It. Yeah. I, I enjoyed the first half a lot more than I enjoyed the second exactly. half. Exactly. The second half really felt because when I, that turn happens, it's very abrupt. Mm-hmm. And then the second half, I was just kind of like, okay. I was bored through some of this. Yeah. I was. I was still excited to know what was going to happen. But what they were showing me on the screen wasn't telling me anything. I didn't feel like that. I needed to know. I was and so, never bored. See, yeah, I was. was never bored. I'll, I'll watch a two to three hour movie, no problem, sure. as long as I don't feel like it. And mm-hmm. I definitely felt the time on this one. Yeah. Do you think it was, was because we it. watched two movies back to back? No, okay, not at all. I mean, I'm I'm used to that, so I don't. Yeah. We I had don't plenty think it of time that. in between. It was just, yeah, I, I felt myself wondering, like, man, how long is that? This was movie the main conversation go? my wife and I had on the way home was that it just felt boring at times. And I remember at one point when I I had the thought, oh man, I'm just I'm I'm bored right now, and. <laughs> And in that moment, I heard the guy behind us snoring. <laughs> oh, no. I don't know if you heard oh, him, God. but he no, was asleep. I didn't hear him. He was asleep, and uh, and I think he got his his whoever was with him bumped him and told him to wake up because he was <laughs> snoring out loud. Um, and that's I mean that's listen, people are tired. That doesn't mean the movie was boring. I yeah. just it was it just happened to coincide with the exact moment I was thinking that we were kind of hitting a slow spot. Um, and you're right, I think that specifically is. Uh, towards the second half of the movie. The other major issue I have, and this is kind of a personal thing, uh, not everybody has this, I had a protagonist problem with this movie. I loved Miles Teller's performance, but I couldn't root for him. I I couldn't put myself in his position where he's making these choices. I think that's kind of the point. We're not supposed to root for either of them. Uh, I don't know. I think the movie wants us to root for Miles. I really no. do think the movie is telling us I'm with Devon that, on this. that this, he's the good guy. They're the anti-heroes. Yeah, like, they're definitely anti-heroes oh, in this. I didn't pick up on that at all. I picked up that that um, Jonah Hill was the negative force and that Miles Teller was swept into it and that he was, you know, reluctant and, you know, all the stuff with the honesty with it. I think we're supposed to root for their relationship. Mm-hmm. I think we're supposed to root for him. Um, I think we're supposed to be really happy when, you know, he tells him off and i just i really feel like the movie's point of view is that we're supposed to like miles out of the two you're supposed to like miles more i don't think that you're supposed to root for them to succeed though well no 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 no, no. that's not what i'm talking about what i'm talking about okay let me make a distinction because i think you're right i don't think the movie is saying that what they're doing is okay what i think the movie is trying to make us do is understand how he could get there and his motivation to get there and i just didn't buy it like i'm just like no like immediately like no i'm out like, you know, so many of those decisions, like, I just can't see, you know, somebody getting swept up into those, you know, without the nefarious And maybe we can mindset. use this as to tie into the con I had with this movie is because coming straight off of Wolf of Wall Street, mm-hmm. I thought that Jonah Hill was playing pretty much the exact same character. Mm-hmm. You know, like, his mannerisms were different, but, you know, the, uh, the nobody who is trying everything illegal or not to strive to be the greatest. And and it felt like Wolf of Wall Street just with guns. Well, what's interesting, though, is his character in Wolf of Wall Street was more the Miles Teller, Teller character, right? For, for a minute. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And then he turned in Wolf of Wall Street to the same character of, right. you know, the druggie and, you know... I was like, man, this feels a lot like Wolf of Wall Street. Did you like Wolf of Wall Street? Love Wolf Love of Wall Street. So many amazing scenes in that movie. Yeah, the pop, I mean, Popeye scene is still one of the best scenes ever. Uh, mm-hmm. The Popeye scene, the the scene on the boat. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess that would bring me into my biggest con for this is, you know, like you said, I guess my problem isn't the story itself, but the way it was told. I felt that this was, it was very unoriginal. They were taking a cool idea, but they were doing the same old Okay, you got the one guy, he gets swept up into it, and then one person, they kind of start turning on each other, and one guy wants out, and then it's like, you know, the struggle between them, and then, you know, they get their comeuppance at the end, you know. I felt like it was just an unoriginal way to tell the story. It just felt very typical, and then, like I said, 
the pacing was just um i couldn't tell if this was supposed to be you know more comedic moments or there's supposed to be more drama to it i felt like it was just kind of confused in what kind of movie it was trying to be i i felt the confusion especially at the end and not to give yeah. anything away but I, I i wasn't i wasn't sure what they were trying to say with the final scene of of the movie mm-hmm. i thought it, it ended well and then it <laughs> then it threw another scene up there and i was like I I don't what what why why was that there? Yeah, <laughs> what see, did that mean? I, I found myself asking why a lot too, like because you know there's going to be a struggle between them, but I felt like it was forced because I was like, why would he make that decision? Why mm-hmm. would he do that? Why would he lie about that? And I was mm-hmm. just like, why? Like this is a very forced struggle, and then that's just kind of what brought down like the the middle half of it for me. There were scenes in this movie, like you were saying, where decisions were made off camera. And then we see the repercussions of it, but we don't see their personal justification as to why they chose to do those things. And I'm like, wait, what? but why would you do that in the first place? And that was something that, that was probably my one last thing. I do agree that the ending was, needed some work because I'm with you. I'm like, wait, what? I was fine fine with the ending because I guess we'll... Uh, I, I won't say. I'll, I'll wait till spoilers to say why I like. And I don't the know ending. that there's a ton to spoil in this movie, so maybe for spoilers for this, we'll just talk real about quick. the ending real yeah. quick. Yeah. Um. Because it, I mean, it is worth talking about. Uh. For for my one last thing, I actually kind of mentioned everything I wanted to mention. Um. Yeah, I think I covered it. I was going to say it's too long, but that kind of was with the you know mm-hmm. the the slow and boring parts for me. What do you have one last thing? Uh. Yeah. I, I wanted more Bradley Cooper. Yeah. I enjoyed his character and the way they kind of introduced him in the trailer. I thought he would have a little bit more of a presence in this. And I wanted more Bradley Cooper. I'm a big Cooper fan. And it was a very interesting role for him. Like, mm-hmm. just, I don't know, something about it just kind of. It's a good performance. I was very intrigued. I thought it was a good performance. I think he does a good job. So that, that's my one last thing. More, more Cooper. More Cooper. Well, good stuff, guys. Let's uh, transition into the best ever challenge. Do uh, it. This is Ooh. naming the best ever movies top three in a certain category based on one of the movies we review this week uh, in this case we're going to do stop motion films best ever we'll work our way from number three to number one devon kick us off what's your third best ever stop motion animated film uh yeah my third uh, i was going back and forth between two of them so are we going honorable mentions at the end yeah well the, if, if okay. there's something that doesn't get mentioned by anybody that you want to mention uh, we'll, so we'll my number it. three is corpse bride Okay. I absolutely love Corpse Bride. I I grew up as a big Tim Burton fan, and he just kind of the everything about it. I love the music in Corpse Bride. The animation's great. The voice performances are great, and it has a really interesting story to it about you know the way you're supposed to view companionship and love, you know, with the arranged marriage and everything. So uh, Corpse Bride is my number three. Andrew, what's your number three? So I need to preface by saying that I am really not in, or I, sh- I haven't seen that many stop motion films. So mine is going to be kind of cheating here and there. So my number three <laughs> is the nineteen thirty three film King Kong. I don't think that's cheating. There's a lot of stop motion in yeah, that. It's live I mean, action, it's, but there's whenever I think of stop combined. motion, I think of like Corpse Bride yeah, yeah, or, or Coraline. That's hundred percent. Yeah, but uh, no, it's one of the first stop motion films ever, and it's it created one of the most iconic movie characters of all time. I'm true. I'm telling you the effect they got with in the dinosaur scene in that original King Kong with just mm-hmm. stop motion is incredible for the time. Like yeah. I mean audiences must have been eating that up. Yeah. Uh so I totally get included. In fact, I probably would have included that if I had thought of that as a stop motion uh film. Yeah. But uh but like you I think of 100% uh, stop motion. Aaron number 3. Number 3 for me, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Right, that's uh, my number 2, so I'll Wes, just say that. Wes Anderson uh doing stop motion animation. I love how this movie uh I love how adult it is for a stop motion animated film and how the themes in it are are just beautiful and I just I love a lot of the choices that they make in that movie. I still have not seen that one. Really? Fantastic Mr. Fox. I, I just started getting into Wes Anderson about a year ago, so I'm I'm catching up. But yeah, Fantastic do you enjoy Mr. his Fox, stuff? Because so, he's an acquired taste. I think I Wes do. Anderson is an acquired taste. I mean, really, taste. I've only seen like my very first one was Grand Budapest Hotel, which was one of his more recent ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I went back. And I watched Moonrise Kingdom. I love Moonrise Kingdom. Moonrise That's Kingdom my favorite. Real good. I think my favorite Wes Anderson is still Life Aquatic. Yeah. Yeah. Probably still my favorite. All right, you said your new number two is Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yep, so, Devon, what's your number two? Uh, my number two is Coraline from the uh, the same company that did Kubo. 
I I love Coraline for the same reasons that I enjoy Kubo, but I feel like it just did it so much better, taking the darker themes and like it's real dark too. If mm-hmm. you haven't seen Coraline in a little bit, like I just rewatched it and it's it's one of my favorites. It's just real dark, but I love the story and um, the world that it created. It's just another one of those movies that the world was created so fantastically. I'm glad you mentioned Coraline. I I would have mentioned it for honorable mention if, if none of us had, because I really do like I Coraline. It's, Coraline. It's so a great much. movie. Aaron, number one. Number two. Oh, oh yeah. I haven't done my number two yet. Oh, okay, yeah. It is The Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, absolutely phenomenal stuff. Mm-hmm. Um Tim Burton, it is probably the definitive stop-motion animated film. I think it's the most iconic. Yeah, it certainly is. Here's my question. Is it a Christmas movie or a Halloween movie? Both. Which is it? Which If you had to pick one. It's a Christmas movie. Yeah, I'll go Christmas movie. It is a Christmas movie. I think it is, too. I think it's a Christmas movie, too. And I think it's, it's such a movie about understanding, like, your purpose, who you are, uh, it's just it's a really beautiful film. Just because it's not full of greens and reds doesn't take away from the fact that it's a Christmas movie. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So, it's my number one if we want to get okay. Right. Go well, for yeah, it, man. Go, so talk a little more one. about it. Uh, yeah, Nightmare Before Christmas. Not only my favorite stop animation, animation, it is my favorite movie of all time. Like I showed Andrew my tattoo. Like it's one of my favorites of all time. Nice. I, I absolutely love it. Um, just for my childhood, like I can literally recite every word from the songs, dialogue. <laughs> Everything I can watch it a million times in December. I try to see how many times I can watch it in the month of December. That's and it's so just great. kind of a personal challenge for me. But um, and it's a Christmas movie because it's you know exploring the ideals of what it is for Christmas, the spirit of Christmas, really tapping into it, and Jack learning a lesson about what Christmas really is. So I it, think I heard recently that Danny Elfman actually sings. The songs when Danny, Jack sings yes. in that movie, uh, it's actually Danny Elfman yes. singing. The the voice actor that did not that did Jack, uh, he had a very bad cold when they were making the film. So Danny Elfman stepped into the singing. That's and, great. I mean, this movie took it's a seventy seven minute movie and it took three and a half years to do. It's an underrated like, musical. You know, it doesn't come to oh, the top yeah. of your your mind when you think of the best musicals. You know, but it, it's it definitely should be up there. It's great music. Ken Page right. that plays Oogie Boogie's from St. Louis. Yeah, yeah. Number one, Aaron. Uh, my number one is Chicken Run. Uh, uh, that was going to be my honorable mention. Was That's it? a deep dive. So, yeah. uh, oh, I love Chicken Run. I love the guys in Aardman. I've always loved Wallace and Gromit. I think they do great work. They have a really great sense of humor. It's Mel Gibson, isn't it? it Mel Gibson is voices uh, the main chicken there. But it is distinctly British, and yet at the same time, very accessible to an American audience, I think. There are some great movie parody things in there that i think are kind of subtle that i love uh i love the animation in it i love the story um i that is that is my favorite stop motion animated film i get it yep number one number one the lego movie oh interesting isn't that computer generated it's cgi mixed with stop motion okay i would have never even thought to pick that it's a great choice yeah i mean it's a great film it's one of my favorite movies of all time so it definitely had to be my number one and yeah the the amount of stardom that was in that movie <laughs> is jaw-dropping. And the fact that it introduced one of the funniest characters of the past few years, and that's Lego Batman. And He's getting his own movie, right? He's getting his, his own, own movie, movie now <laughs> because he was so funny. And Chris Pratt killed it. I mean, from beginning to end, I didn't think Morgan Freeman could be that funny, but he did it. And I didn't expect him to do a movie like that either. Yeah. But, no, it's it's great. Yeah, I there is no other choice for me but the Lego movie is definitely number one. It's a good choice. It's a good choice. Um, man, I would have never thought. I thought that was all computer generated. No, nope, it was a, it was a mix. Yeah, it was but, nice. Yep, another cheating movie. You cheater! I, I told you because <laughs> I've never seen like the new Frankenweenie or any of those. That's that was good. that was my honorable mention was, was Frankenweenie. <laughs> I think it's super underrated. Uh, uh, I saw the original one, the Tim Burton's first movie. Yeah, his, the short film version of it. Yeah. My honorable yeah. mention was uh, Paranorman. Uh, I think that's a great movie, too. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to mention that, get that out there in case you haven't seen it. Good. Also, Curse of the Were-Rabbit. Oh, Wallace I know. Gromit, Curse I, of the Were-Rabbit is I really do have an too. honorable mention. What is it? James and the Giant Peach. Nice. It's a good mm-hmm. choice. Another really good one. So I just remembered that one. So that's my honorable mention. What was the movie? I had totally forgot about this one. Was there a movie about a little, like... Um, character that nine? was so nine. nine was that stop motion uh, i think cgi no. yeah was that cg yeah okay that's cgi nine well, forget is also I mentioned underrated it then forget <laughs> i mentioned it 
All right, let's finish up with some uh, buried treasure. Let's do it. What's one thing in pop culture you want to make sure people know about? Uh, Andrew, let's start with you. So I'm going to mention an app, since I'm sitting in Dinesh chair, I have to do an app. (laughs) And it's one that Devon showed me last night, and I am loving it thoroughly. It's called Letterboxd. That's what I was going to do for my buried treasure. Oh, man, I'm sorry. Oh, no, you're awesome. Go for it. So no, That's I'll so let weird. You do, that's I that's what co- I was going to do, too, guys. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'll let you go ahead because I actually do have another uh, uh, one I can use for mine. So I'll let so you talk about So we're on to Devon. Letter- Tell us about Letterboxd. Yeah, the, the buried treasure that I just stole. But uh, <laughs> no, yeah, I showed Andrew Letterboxd yesterday, and it's uh, the way it's described is it's a social media for film buffs. That's essentially what it is. You can you write reviews and you uh, keep a diary of every movie that you're watching. It keeps track for you, and like at the end of the year, it'll do a like your year in cinema for you and stuff. And you make lists and stuff. It's everything that film buff wants. So you can you know list your favorite movies, directors, whatever you want. And you I've know. had so many people tell me I'm, I should be on Letterbox. It's so much and it's fun. Just like, and I, you just connect with other people is it on their easy? reviews. Like I need something that's like no, it's pretty. That I don't have to invest a lot of time in. I picked it up. Yeah, it's pretty easy. It, um, like I got into it in the middle of the year last year, so I didn't start keeping track of like all my stuff until like mm-hmm. 2016 started. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna keep track for this entire year. But uh, it's just real fun to be able to write reviews and like see other people's reviews and just like other film buffs like you. The app may do it for me to have it right there in my hand. See, the I app, just and the app is more recent. The app just came in the last uh, like six months. Can or you so. do everything you need to do on the app now? You can. Yes, they they worked out. Oh, that out. might be my in. That might be yeah, my in because I started off with the beta version of it, and it had you know a lot of bugs in it. But now you can do everything from the app. But it's also works really well on uh, laptops and such. Very cool. Andrew, you want to go next? Okay, so mine is a movie, and it came out a long time ago. I think it came out in 2004, but I had some friends who had never seen it before, and I made them watch it the other night. One of my favorite movies, it's called Lucky Number Slevin. Have you guys seen this movie? I've heard of it, and that's the one with uh, Lucy Liu's in that one, Lucy Liu, Josh Hartnett, Ben Kingsley, and Morgan Freeman. Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah. because we talked about Morgan Freeman in the Lego movie. That's made, what made me think, oh, yeah, we watched that the other night. It's a totally underrated movie. It's in my top 100 movies of all time. It's twists from left to right, and I love Josh Hartnett's performance in that movie because before that movie, he was just the teen heartthrob, and I just couldn't get behind him as an actor. But after that movie, I'm like, I'm sold. This guy has some talent. And it's a great, great story. The I ending, haven't seen it in a long time. The ending of that movie is like captivating. You just want to watch it over and over again. What do you think it is about it that's so captivating to you? For the fact that Josh Hartnett's character is so lovable, you want nothing more than to see him make it through. You're just po- you're just pushing, and there's so many unanswered questions. It's, who is he? Why is all this stuff happening to him? And then whenever they deliver on that ending and they just tell you everything, you're like, yes, <laughs> it's everything I ever wanted it to happen. That's always a good feeling. Yeah. It's like a euphoria. Yeah. You know, when a movie gives you exactly what, you know, like wish fulfillment kind of stuff. Yeah. Very oh, satisfying. And Bruce Willis is so good in that movie too. That's right. He's in it too. Mm-hmm. When, yeah. when he cared, the good old days. <laughs> yeah. All right, Aaron, buried treasure. <laughs> My buried treasure is Netflix's new show, The Get Down. We had talked mm-hmm. about possibly reviewing it here uh, on the uh, podcast. And after I watched a little bit of it, I was like, I don't know, we need to do a full review. But I did want to let people know kind of some some thoughts on it. Uh, it is, at times, the most fascinating TV show I've ever seen. And at times, the most boring TV show I've ever Sounds seen. Sounds like Baz Luhrmann. It, yeah. <laughs> well, no, you know, listen, I Moulin Rouge is one of my oh, favorite all time all time movies. Rouge. I mean, Baz Luhrmann does some incredible stuff, and he's not confined by a, how a lot of directors see the world. Like he has his own vision mm-hmm. of you know, like a heightened sense of art, you know, that he does, and you can see that in this TV show. You can also see that <laughs> that he just he had nobody putting the brakes on like you know it was, <laughs> it's one of those things where it's just it it's a lot i mean the the pilot is an hour and a half long have you read um like some of the articles about like the production just a little, of this just a little bit of and it. just the fact that it still came to be from all the things that it went yeah. through and everything um i'm definitely excited but some of the music stuff in it is almost transcendent like it's really beautiful Ooh. and some some of the so it's just kind of like it's that that thing of 
where you're eating a sandwich and you just from one bite to the next, you're not sure if you're going to love it or Have if you're going to hate it. Have you watched the whole it, so. first part? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I've watched the first couple episodes. So and, it's uh, 70s inner city New York, is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it, uh, there's a lot of talk about how expensive it was to make. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? The Net- most expensive Netflix show to date. Well, really? apparently Netflix is just rolling in the dough, so they don't care. They, yeah. just, they just hand out money and let people go crazy. But uh, but you can see the money on the screen. Like, you, the the especially the models of New York City from the 70s, like, the it's just, it's gorgeous. I mean, it's it's just really beautiful. I'll so definitely check that one out. Because yeah, I think it's, it's in my queue. Yeah, yeah, I think it's worth checking out. Just be ready that you may not like parts of it. Because I started to watch it. I'm like, well, oh, I have a little bit of time. I can watch it before we go to the movies. Mm-hmm. And then it started to set an hour and a half on the pile. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to do this one later. <laughs> yeah. And I think they released the first six episodes. Yeah. And I think there are six more coming. Is okay. that right? I mm-hmm. think they're going to release a yeah. second batch, uh, which I can't remember Netflix doing that. Peaky Blinders does that. Peaky Blinders does that. Yeah. So. I'm excited for it. I, I've been doing on my yeah, channel. Have you watched do, any of it? No, I, I do like binge breakdowns on my channel. So like I'll watch like the whole first half and I'll do a review on my binging experience. Like not only the show itself, but like what makes a show bingeable. Like when you want to keep watching it and stuff like that. So, so, so you binge it all at once? Like uh, the last one I did, I did Stranger Things. I did all in one night from like 9 p.m. to like 6 in the morning. So I do the entire nice. thing and then do my video about it. So that's why I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the first half of it, though. Well, I think that's it, guys. You got anything else you want to you wanna mention about anything we talked about today? I think we Any lingering job. thoughts? I think we covered no, everything we, we want to cover. we covered everything. Thanks so much for joining us today. Sif Pop is part of the Shoe the Dough podcast network. You can find out more about other live and later shows on the network. By following the feed at Mixler.com slash Shoe the Dough. That's M-I-X-L-R dot com slash Shoe the Dough. Huge thanks to today's guru, Devon. Woo! Well done, man. Thank you. Thank you. I Great really appreciate it. Great having on the show. Yeah, yeah, I had a lot of fun. Tell us a little bit about where people can find you, anything you want to plug, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, you can find me on Facebook and YouTube at Jesus Live. That is D-E-E-Z-U-S Live. And um, that's where my Facebook, I put all my videos. And that's where you find my YouTube channel as well. And then on Twitter. Twitter at Jesus12, where you can find out pretty much anything about my life. Very explicit on Twitter. Follow me. <laughs> uh, and we're also, as always, joined by Andrew from Flick Freaks. Yay. What can people find out from you? Head over to youtube.com forward slash Flick Freaks. You'll find reaction videos, reviews, let's plays, all the great nerd stuff you could ever wish for. We're on pretty much every single form of social media forward slash Flick Freaks. Head over there, see if you like it. Uh, I always say at the end of the podcast, our stuff is less family-friendly than (laughs) Sif Pop. Just a disclaimer for everybody. But uh, yeah, I am really proud of the stuff we put out. And the channel is growing very rapidly. On the the, uh, continuum from, you know, Kubo and the Two Strings to um, Wolf of Wall Street. Like, where is Flick Freaks on the family-friendly continuum? It's somewhere (laughs) around War Dogs. Okay, (laughs) all right. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, and if you want to uh, follow me in more places, you can just search for my name, Aaron Dicer, A-A-R-O-N-D-I-C-E-R. Uh, and you should find all my social medias. If you want to go to yourmoviefriend.com, you can check out all of my reviews. Uh, thanks again to our amazing Patreon supporters. We love you. Thank you for giving monthly to make this show and others on the Shoe the Dough Network possible. Indeed. Support starts at a buck a month and comes with some pretty fun perks. You can find out more at patreon.com slash shoe the dough. By the way, if you know of a podcast or have a podcast idea that you'd like to see on the network, make sure and let us know. All feedback, as always, welcome at Aaron and Danae at gmail.com. You don't need to understand how pre-collision cameras detect pedestrians in low light. You don't need to understand any of the craft that went into the Lexus ES. To feel it. With outstanding connectivity and standard Lexus Safety System Plus 2.0. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Click the banner to discover more. LSS Plus 2.0 and the pre-collision system with pedestrian detection are not a substitute for safe and attentive driving practices. See owner's manual for additional limitations and details. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.